try that again. Good morning. How's everyone doing? We're glad to have you guys here visiting. Those of you who is your first, second, or third time, we're happy that you're here um, joining us on this Sunday. We just want to welcome you to Faith Bible Fellowship Church and just encourage you to meet someone after the service. Extend a hand, introduce yourselves. We would love to get to meet you, get to know you, and just um, tell you a little bit more about what we believe, who we are as a church. So we see um, we live in a culture today where we're encouraged to courage to live for ourselves. We, we, we have all these self-help books or we have things going on in culture where it says treat yourself, worry about yourself. You have to take care of yourself first. And, and we see that it's a, it's a culture that's driven towards yourself, towards me. That the focus is you can have it your way, as the slogan says. So we live in a culture where it's all about trying to take care of yourself, not worried about what's going on, but making sure that you're happy, that you're good, that that, that what comes first. And we see that, that that's contrary to the way that the Bible tells us to live. We come to a passage in Philippians where we see that, that Paul is trying to live out this life where he's saying, I, I live in service to you. And, and through that, Paul is encouraging us to live in service of others. This idea of... um. A couple years back, there was a book that came out called The Purpose Driven Life. This idea of um, just living a life that's full of purpose. Today, I like to um, title my, my message The Service Driven Life. This idea that, that we're called to serve other people. That we're called to put others' interests before our own. And it's very contrary to the culture that, that we live in today. It's very the opposite of what we're told. But as we'll see as we make our way through this passage, that 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 we are to lift others first and put others' interests before our own. And that's what Paul is trying to do here and trying to get at. So if you will, with me, we'll, we're in Philippians 19 through 26. So as we've been doing the past couple of weeks, if you'll stand for the reading of God's word and join me as, as, as I read. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. But with what full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all, for your progress in joy and the faith, so that in me you have the ample you have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come before you, Lord, and we ask that you you just come with us, Lord, and that you be with us and you soften our hearts today, Lord, to receive the your words, Lord, to receive what you want us to receive, Lord. That that we're we're encouraged by your word today, Lord, that we're convicted by your word, Lord, that, that, that wherever we need to repent of, Lord, that, that we come 
Humble before our, humble ourselves before you, Lord, and repent of anything that needs repenting, Lord. Be with us today as we open your word, Lord. We ask that you eliminate any distractions, Lord, that we're able to take these next several moments to, to just focus on your word and what you have us to hear, what you have us to read, Father God. Be with us, Lord. Keep us safe, Lord. We ask all this in your son's mighty and powerful name. Amen. If I had to say there's one idea that I got as I was reading and studying this, this, um, this passage this week, it's this idea that we as Christians are called to serve one another and put other people's needs before ourselves. And we'll see that throughout this passage. That's what Paul's doing. That first and foremost, he puts the needs and the desires of Christ before his own. That before anything, before Paul moves, he's seeking Christ and he's asking Christ, what do you need? What, 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 what should I do for your kingdom? And then he also, he's putting the needs of the Philippian church before his. And we see that, that the very first thing we see in verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. We see that, that Christians should be praying for one another. That, that as a body of believers, as people who are united here in this church, we should be praying for one another. In times of need, in times of when things are going good, no matter what, we should lift each other up in prayer. We see that Paul makes an appeal here to the Philippian church. For I know that through your prayers, he's asking them, Please be praying for me through your prayers and through the help of the Holy Spirit, I will find deliverance. And this isn't the first time that we see that Paul, all throughout his letters, he makes an appeal several times to the congregation to please be praying for him. You see this in Romans 15, 30-31. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And we see that, that, that Paul does this time and time again in his letters. He, he makes an appeal to the church to be praying for him. And Paul has this understanding that, that there is power in prayer. That when we pray, things happen. Not, not that our prayers changes God's mind or anything, but that when we pray and we come before God, God moves. More so for our sake, for our encouragement. So we see that God is active and he cares for us. As we read in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. This idea that there is power in prayer, that we're called to, as believers, come before our Heavenly Father and pray, not only for, for ourselves, but for other people. That we, we we're constantly praying and that we support one another in prayer. This is why every week Bert sends out a prayer list, and I, and I hope and pray that, 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 uh, that we go through this list uh, at least once a week and we pray for the needs that we see there. There's power in prayer. And, and Paul is simply, he's asking for support. He's saying, please be praying for me for my deliverance. We see in Acts 2.42, when, when Luke is describing the fellowship of the believers, he says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That, that, that the believers in Acts, they devoted themselves to prayer for one another, to lift each other up. And so we're called 
as Christians to lift up one another in times of difficulties. That when we know that people within our congregation, people that we care about, is going through a hard time in life, that it's just not a simple, oh, we hope everything is good, but that we labor with them, that we pray for them, that we come along them and we ask God to deliver them from this, from whatever they may be doing. And we're called to serve one another in this way. We lift other Christians up in time of difficulties by praying for them, encouraging them, serving them, and just walking with them, coming alongside them. That just because they may be going through something like does not mean that we distance ourselves, but that we come and we surround ourselves around them and we lift them up through prayer, through service, however it may be. And Paul understands that there's power when we have people around us, other Christians around us, praying for us, serving us, that there's power in that. And we are called to come along and serve one another, especially in times when life is just hard for people, when we don't know what's going on, but we can come to God and be praying for that. Moving on, we see that Paul says, in the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it's the same wording that we find in Acts 7 when, 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 when Luke is talking about the Spirit stopping Paul and Timothy from, from going to Asia. And this idea that we have been given the Holy Spirit as, as a means to help us persevere in times of struggle, in times where life gets a little bit difficult. We're given the things that we need to persevere. That no matter how hard life may get, No matter how difficult life may get, we have the necessary tools to persevere. Mainly our church body, our family, we have prayer and we have the Holy Spirit. And we have those things so that we can persevere. It's commonly um, known through church history where it talks about the means of grace, the things that God has given us historically for the upbuilding, for the strengthening of of our faith, which are... The prayer, which is the preaching of the word, or in the sacraments, the baptism and communion, God has given us those throughout time for the strengthening of our faith. As we call them, the means of grace, that we have been given everything that we need to persevere in times of struggle, in times of hardship. That God has given us what we need. And we have the word of God. And right now, during this time, during this period in history, Christians have probably the most they have ever, they have, excuse me, we have been given the most tools to persevere in times of difficulty, in times of struggles. We have the Word of God. We've got thousands and thousands of commentaries and books that we can dig into when times, is, when times are getting hard, when life is difficult. We can find books. We can open up our our Bibles and just pour into and get strengthened the things that we need to persevere. We can have apps on our phones. We can go to YouTube and listen to any sermons that we want through history, any speaker, any, any passage specifically. We have access to so many things right now as a body to strengthen ourselves, to persevere in times of difficulty. We have, we have our phones. We have the Bible at our fingertips whenever we want it. And we are, we've been given these things as a means to persevere, to strengthen our faith when times are getting difficult. You can listen to the Bible. You can do whatever you want and be listening to the Bible. You can be exercising, going for a walk, and you can be listening to the Bible. And we have these things 
for our sake, for, for the fact that we can persevere. These are tools that have been given to us so that we can persevere in times of difficulty. And we see Paul, Paul is praying for, for his deliverance. And, and he's vague here at the end of 19. He doesn't exactly say what he's praying for deliverance, deliverance for. We can see from the preceding verses in 12 to 14 that, that Paul is talking about his imprisonment. So for one sense, Paul can be talking about his deliverance, deliverance being delivered from prison. But then as we go through the rest of this, these passages, he's also talking about eternity. And Paul has the time to focus on eternity and this idea that... that we don't know what Paul has in mind when he says, for my deliverance. It could be either or, but, but he is praying for something specific, and I think he leaves that kind of vague on purpose. We understand that, that, that Paul has this concept. He's, this is why he's able to, several years later, as we read last week, Romans eight twenty eight. For I know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This idea that, that Paul understands that, that God works things out for those who he called at. No matter what, Paul will be delivered from this, from what he's going through. Moving on, we see, he said, it is my eager, verse 20, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by, la- by life or by death. See that as believers, as followers of Christ, we are called to faithfully witness about Christ despite our circumstances. That Paul, what Paul is saying here is that despite what I may be going through, no matter how hard and how much I'm struggling in life, that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. That, that, that no matter what, how hard life gets for Paul, he's saying that Christ, as the, as the NASB says, will be exalted. Or, or as the King James says, he will, Christ will be magnified in his life. That no matter what Paul is going through, he's, he's saying Christ will be magnified. And so we are called to faithfully witness about Christ despite our circumstances. And Paul knows that, that, that it's hard, that things get difficult sometimes, and it's not as easy to, to do as it is to say. You see, he says, I eagerly, my eager expectation and hope is this. He understands that, 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 that sometimes life is really difficult, but that we should hold on, that we should, no matter what, faithfully witness and faithfully point and that Christ should be magnified in our lives no matter what whether it's at school, at work amongst friends, amongst family no matter what, that our Lord is, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is magnified, is exalted in our lives, whether that is by living or by death, Christ is to be exalted and we are to faithfully point towards Christ in those times of difficulties Verse 21, for for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, that that Christ sits above all things in our lives. That no matter what we go through, no matter how difficult it may be, we have to have this proper understanding of, of God and of Christ sitting above all things and being sovereign and being in control of all things. And that is why Paul is able to say this. 
Paul understands that, that, that Jesus Christ is the author of our spiritual life, that our spiritual life was brought forward by Christ and by God calling us before, before, before time. We see this in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understands that, 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 that Jesus Christ is the author of our spiritual life. He says in Romans 8, 29-30, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This idea that, that, that at the root of our spiritual lives, it's Christ, and that he is in charge of it all. And we see that that Paul has been maintained in his spiritual life by feeding on Christ. That 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 Paul has this idea of sanctification that, that Christ does everything. That it's not up to us. That it's the work of Christ, and it's through the Holy Spirit. As our Articles of Faith says in sixteen one, that sanctification is a progressive work of the Holy Spirit in the believer that purifies the life and conforms the whole man to the image of Christ as the word of God is believed and obeyed. It begins at regeneration, continues throughout the believer's life on earth, and reaches its completion at the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. This understanding that that, that Christ is in charge of our sanctification. And Paul says, that's why Paul is able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, because he ultimately understands that, that everything about his life and his spiritual journey has been driven by Christ. And that Christ is the one who's been working through the Holy Spirit in his life. And so that's why... That's why for Paul, Christ sits above all his comforts. That's why for Paul, that Christ sits above all his desires, all his affections, that Christ is above all things, that he's willing to give his life. He's willing to die for Christ because he has this understanding that Christ is the head of his spiritual life and that Christ is in charge of everything. And that's how it should be for us as believers, that we should be mimicking this in our lives, that that Christ should sit above all things, all of your desires, all of your needs and wants, that Christ sits above those things, that, that even if you don't get those things, that Christ will be exalted no matter what. This leads to a life of, of service to Christ, this understanding that, that God, that Christ pulled you out of your mess. That he's taking you out. And, and before, as, as it says in, in Ephesians 2, one of my favorite verses, I'll just read it. I'm reminded of this. And it's, this is the beauty of it. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which 
with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And it's understanding that, that we did nothing to earn the salvation that we've been given. And that we ultimately don't do anything for our own sanctification. But it's through Christ who does everything that we've been saved. And it's because that we've been, we were dead in our trespasses that God still saved us no matter what. That we are called to live a life in service to Christ. That we are to put Christ above all things and serve him before our needs, before our own desires or affections. And we see that Paul's able to, to say this because, because at, the, at the core of Paul's joy is Christ. That Paul realizes that at, in his conversion at Damascus, that Christ pulled him out of the thick of it. And because of his conversion, because of the fact that, that he was living a life that was not honoring God, but God still pulled him out of it, Paul has dedicated his life to Christ. And Paul's whole life meaning can be found in Christ. This idea that, that he seeks to serve Christ no matter what. And because we have been dead in our trespasses, but Christ saved us, we are called to live the same way. He goes on in 21 to say, to die is gain. This idea that, that, that at the moment of our death, we are in, our souls are with Christ in heaven, and we are in fellowship with him. Paul has an understanding. That's why later on he, it, it, he's torn between the two options because he understands that to be with Christ is far better than just than being here. And he struggles with it because he understands the need for the building up of the church. And so he gains so much by going to heaven, but, Christ, but he still is torn between the two, as we'll see. Paul goes on in 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. So first and foremost, we have to understand that Paul isn't talking about the, the, the sinful nature. He's just talking about if he is to remain in the flesh, remain in bodily form, living here on earth, that, that will mean fruitful labor for him. Or as the NASB puts it, this will mean fruitful labor for me. That Paul's saying, there is not an option. That if I was to remain here on earth, I will be fruitful in my labor. What does it mean to be fruitful labor? I believe Paul is talking about primarily the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the upbuilding of the church and the strengthening of its people. That for Paul, that's what it means to have fruitful labor. It's to spread the gospel of Christ, to, to proclaim his name, his gospel, and have people turn from their sins. And it's to upbuild the church and to strengthen their, the believers within the church. And that is what Paul means, that this will mean fruitful labor for me. And that Paul is saying, in other words, it's not an option that if I remain here, if I don't die and I don't go be with Christ and I remain on earth, this is what it's going to look like for me. There is no option. If there is no option for Paul, then it shouldn't be an option for us. That we are called, as it says in Mark 16, 15, that Jesus is leading, he says, Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That 
we are called to preach the gospel of Christ. If we want to be fruitful and, and we want our labor here on earth to mean something, first and foremost, we have to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, you have to open your mouth and you have to speak and you actually have to tell someone about the good news of Christ. We live, we live in a time where I, I used to believe where, where I just I, I had to have to live Christ out. People will see Christ in me by my actions. And, and to an extent that that should be true. But we also have to proclaim Christ with our words. That people have to hear the good news of Jesus Christ coming and dying for their sins. That no matter what, they, we have to proclaim that. And at times that means speaking. It says in 1 Peter 3, 14 through 15, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. This idea that we are called. We are to remain here and be fruitful in our attempts and have fruitful labor. We have to proclaim Christ. We have to share the gospel of Christ with people. We have to be willing to put it all on the line to share and tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we see that that. that that um, fruitful labor for Paul means the upbuilding of the church and, and, and the building up, the strengthening of its believers. We see this in, in 24 where he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He's pointing towards that. He's saying that for me to remain here, it's more necessary for you because of the I have to be there to strengthen you, for you to grow and be strengthened in the church and amongst you. It's the building up of the church that as as followers of Christ here on earth, we're called to build up the church that we're in and the people that we serve with. Paul says in First Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. That this, no matter what, Paul, even though the, Thessalon- the, the church in Thessalonica was, was already doing this, Paul is still encouraging them to serve and build up one another. In Romans 14, 19, Paul says, So then we pursue the things that which make for peace in the building up of one another. We are called as Christians to come alongside those who we serve with, those who we worship with, and serve them and, and build them up. That this isn't a life for just for yourself, but that we're called to come along to, when people are struggling or when people aren't struggling. We're just we're called to come along and build people up, encourage them, see what they're going through, be with them. And that's what it means for Paul to have fruitful labor here on earth. And that's what it should mean for us as well. That we serve others in times of need. That we come around when someone is struggling and we lift them up in prayer. And that we are encouraging one another to continue to grow in Christ. That no one stays stagnant, but that we are moving forward. Verses 23. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. 
we'll see uh, that, that here when Paul says, but I am hard-pressed, or the NIV says, says torn, that, that Paul is really feeling a, a, a struggle within himself, that, that he understands that it is far better to, to just feel to just die and be with Christ. And he's not just talking about dying, but he's talking about being with Christ. That at the moment that Paul is teaching us here, that at the moment we die, our souls goes to be with Christ in heaven. And that we, we, to die means to fellowship with Christ in heaven, in essence. And he understands that this is far better. That, that, that for him to die and just be with Christ is far better. That he understands that he has to remain for the sake of the Philippian church. See that in 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. This idea that, that Paul understands, he, he understands the beauty and, and how great it would be to just, just kind of go and be with Christ in heaven. So we see that, not, that Paul is not only putting, the, the need, putting Christ before his needs and desires, but in these verses we also see that Paul is putting the needs of the church before his needs and desires. He's saying, this is for me to remain and still suffer and go through what I'm going through. It's better on your account, therefore I will stay. And so are we asking ourselves, what is more necessary for the sake of other people? Are we just seeking out our needs, seeking to be served, and we're not asking ourselves, what should I do for the sake of other people? What should I give up for other people? As you see, as we, as we go on in the book of Philippians in 2.4, Paul says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. As we looked at, looked at a couple of weeks ago, it's to love your neighbors as yourself, as, as, as Jesus teaches in Matthew 20, 22. It's the idea that we are to put others before ourselves. That, that, that to be a Christian means to live a life of service to Christ and also a life of service to others. That we lift others up, that we look for the interests of other people. We are called, as, as Jesus says, the greatest commandments, to love your God, your Lord, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And in loving people, we serve people. We come alongside them. We put their interests ahead of our own. But it's not just for those who, who we're in church with, as it says in Luke six twenty seven. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good for those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. That we are called to just serve people, even the people that we may not like. People we may not care for. That, that Jesus calls us to pray for them, to love on them, and to in essence serve them however you can. It's not just the people that we like and we enjoy, but it's also the people that we don't like, that we don't care much for. And there is no limit to our enemies. We're called to pray for them. That, that's counterintuitive to, to what we're taught in our culture. Where if, no one, if you don't like someone, then you don't have to be with them. Jesus is saying you need to be praying for them. And we see that Paul understands the purpose of serving Christ and others is to put their needs before his own. That if you are to serve people, a part of that looks like is, is seeking their interests ahead of yours. 
Paul ultimately has this bigger picture of mind of what it looks like to serve Christ here on earth. He understands that in order to serve, in order for other, others to grow in their salvation, that means putting them ahead of us. Paul goes on in 25, he says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. As I, as I was studying, we saw that, I saw that there was a lot of different um, scholars who, who, who interpreted Paul saying, convinced of this, as saying either this is some type of divine revelation that, that Paul has got, or, or, or others were saying that, that Paul just kind of has this understanding of, 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 of how God works. And that because God cares for his people, his elect, he cares for their growth and building up, that, 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 that God is just not interested in our, in our salvation, he's interested in our, in our sanctification as well. So Paul, being convinced of this, having a proper understanding of who God is, understands that he has to remain here before he's convinced of this, that I, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul understands that for him to remain here, he has to because of the progress, the moving forward of the Philippian church, their growth in their faith and understanding of God. And you see here that, that, that stagnation is never an option for the Christian, that we should always be seeking to grow in our faith, that we shouldn't just remain at the same place for years or day, months or years, that we are to grow in our faith and our understanding, that we are to make progress, that we are to move forward no matter what. That's, like I said, that stagnation is not the option for the Christian. Hebrews 6 1 says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, that we are to grow and mature in our life. This idea that, that yes, we go from spiritual death to spiritual life and from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. That's the progression for the Christian, that we just don't remain in the same place, but that we're growing, that, that, that as life goes on, as we pour into, and as we're being sanctified, we grow, we make progress. Paul in Ephesians 4, 13-16 says, Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that being Christ, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint to which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are called to be growing in maturity in Christ. 
That that is why God has given us these means of grace. That is why we are called to gather with one another. We are called to pray and that we, that we do the ordinances, that we baptize people in, that we take communion together. It's for our strengthening of our faith. We don't just do it because it's what's been done throughout church history. We do it because that's how God strengthens his church. That's how we grow in our understanding of who God is and in our faith. We are to be rooted and built up in Christ. And we are to be established in the faith, as it says in, in Colossians 2, 6-7. We see that Paul was placed there for the church. And we understand that, that if we believe that God is a sovereign God, that he sits above all of creation, and he, ha- he has sovereignty over it, then God has exactly, he has you exactly where you are. That God has you going through exactly what you're going through. That, that God has the people around you that you need. That God has you at your job that you're at. And he has you at your church that you're at for your progress, for your growth in the faith. That you are here because this is where God wants you to grow in him. That God has you exactly where he needs you. For your growth, for your progress in the faith. Paul understood as we finished in 26 so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul also understood that that the Philippian church would, would, would have great joy in. And the fact that Paul would be delivered from prison and that Paul would come to see them. He understood that that would be for the joy of the Philippians, of the church in Philippi. That, they, that that would mean for them that their prayers were answered. That God had been listening to them and their prayers were answered. And that in itself would bring joy. Oftentimes, we, we, we go through life sometimes and... And we don't know what to find joy in. And sometimes when, when life is really difficult, we, we, we tend to forget the things that God has done for us. That, that we forget that we've been taken, taken out of a situation that God had chosen us and brought us through from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that was the work of God. And we forget sometimes the, the, the God that he answers prayers. And this is why I believe it's important to, to journal and to just journal in life and to just take note of the things that God is doing, the prayers that God has answered or, 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 or the encouragement that you've been given by others so that we can go back and see that and understand that God is in charge of our sanctification, that, that God wants us to grow and he wants us to, to stre- he wants to strengthen our faith in him. So we're called to serve one another in that. That, that we, there's a joy that's, unex, that's unexplainable that we get from just seeing other people come out of tough situations. We serve because ultimately through our serving Christ and serving others, we're strengthening. We're encouraged. We grow in that. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you Lord and we ask that as life gets difficult as we go through through hard times in life sometimes we tend to to forget about other people and just worry about ourselves Lord that, that 
that, that, that the more difficult life is, the less we want to be around people, the less we want to pray for people, Lord. And I pray that that weird church that first and foremost seeks to serve other people, Lord, that seeks to put the interests of others before our own, Father God. Pray that no matter how hard life may get, we don't stop praying for you or for other people, Father God, that, that we continue to grow in our understanding that we our faith is strengthened in you, Lord, through any time of our lives, through difficult, through good. Lord, be with us, Lord. We ask that you be with us as the rest of this day as we go out. Keep us safe on the roads, Father God. May we just spend the rest of this day thinking of you, Lord, spending more time with you, Lord, and that we honor you, in this day, Lord, we pray all this in your son's mighty and powerful name. Amen.